Welcome back, everybody. This is T. Cole Newton. You're listening to A Round with Stephen Cole, coming at you pre-recorded from my Mid-City Bar 12-mile limit. With me, at always, is the Steve half of Stephen Cole. Why don't you introduce yourself and then our guest today, Steve? Steve Yamada here, flying bar monkey over here at uh, 12-mile limit, slinging those drinks on my off time. I like to record my voice and listen to it at other points in time. Uh, it's been a big week here at uh, A Round with Stephen Cole. Uh, we've uh, had the pleasure of launching our official Facebook page, and our podcast is is now available not only on iTunes, but as well as the Google Play Music Store and uh, Stitcher as well, in case you use the Stitcher app. So, um, you know, you can listen to us on many different platforms at this point. So uh, no excuses, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no excuses. No excuses. Listen. So uh, I noticed this week, as every single New Orleanian did, that uh, summer has arrived with uh, force. <sighs> Uh, hot as hell outside right now, which is crazy because seriously, like last Monday, it was in the 70s. This is just how New Orleans weather works, but we were in the 70s, which is obscene for a June day. Um, we've got a guest on today who I think uh, offers one of the best cures for those summertime blues. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Hi, I'm Paul Broussard, and I am the manager at Hanson Snowblizz in Uptown New Orleans. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, we this came up two or three podcasts back when we talked to james clessy sure. it's like the seasons of new orleans are saint season mardi gras season crawfish season and then snowball season so we've yes. knocked out two of the seasons now all we need is drew Brees to come on when football season starts <laughs> so we, are, we are good to go <laughs> yeah yeah so well so i work at hansen's which is uh uh the, probably the most iconic new orleans snowball stand of them all um it's 78 years old it's in a concrete shack in on the corner of Chapatulas and Bordeaux Street in the heart of, heart of the Riverside neighborhood of Uptown, right just between Tipitinas and F&Ms. Um, and it has been, uh, it's the first, like the original snowball stand of New Orleans. Um, is it literally the original snowball stand it of New is, Orleans? It is. It's certainly the, the oldest continuously operating one, which has been uh, since 1939, so that's 78 years. Hmm. But uh, the Hansen story begins with, uh, in 1934, with Ernest Hansen and his wife, Mary Hansen, and they have a new young son, Ernest, as well. Um, and Ernest loves snowballs. Family loves snowballs. But back then, snowballs were sold by a man pushing a cart down, you know, the dusty street. This is the Great Depression in New Orleans. Not, you know, so they, the Hanson family, Ernest's parents, lived just off of Bayou St. John on St. Anne Street behind Aubrey Brothers, uh, which fronts on Orleans. And um, and in that backyard, he uh, he devises he, you know, so this guy's you know pushing the the the, the cart down the street. There's a there's a dusty old block of melting ice, and he has a door planer. Not like a specialized tool, and he's shaving ice and scooping it up with his hands, and likely either putting it onto a paper plate, or like if you had an ice box, you might put it. You might come out from your house as he's passing with a refrigerated bowl, and that's your dessert that's temporal for dinner. And he'd pour some, you know, pour some syrup on it. Likely just strawberry is probably the thing, or mm -hmm. just sell you the ice and you you do it later. Um, but that's a cheap. Shaved ice treat, um, which is an old street vendor thing. But uh, Ernest Hansen thought he could do it better, and his his son loved the taste of it. They loved it, and he's a machinist, an industrial machinist, um, not not you know really just sort of self taught as an inventor, and comes up with this machine with rotating blades that you can push a a block of ice, not cubes, but like a you know, like sixteen inch by six by six by 
six, you know, six by six by 16 block or thereabouts, um, through, uh, through a chute and it goes through some rotating blades and down a chute. And by doing that, uh, by inventing this machine that is a little more sanitary because you don't have to touch it by hand. It's electric. Um, he invents the first electric ice shaving machine among, among the very first, um, the, uh, and, uh, and patents it. And that's 1934. Um, and that that's where we began. Crazy. Um, uh, so uh, let's walk it back just a second. For those who are unindated, we do have some listeners who are not from New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, snowball would be a term that I think just goes over a lot of people's heads. Shaved ice, snow cones elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the little summary well, thing. The snow cones I always associated with more of a crushed sort a crushed, of pellet yeah. style ice. Yeah. The consistency, I think, is yeah. what really separates the snowball New Orleans style from the snow cone that are available, the snow cones that are available nationwide. Yeah. yeah. And New Orleans begins to get a snowball culture. Uh, Mary Hansen, his wife, uh, made some, made some syrup and would, would make it on in the, the lore of Hansen's is she'd make it under the shade of the China ball tree right on the sidewalk of their little double, the family's double shotgun, um, in mid city or in her family, they were the Jamelis, which, uh, they, they lived in the lower garden district and had a, I think during prohibition, it was a fruit stand and then it became a bar and a lunch counter near the port, uh, at, Today, what is currently the saint that was like, and the family <laughs> lived upstairs. So, but in the thirties, but before they bought a house, uh, they lived with both sets of parents and would move their young family mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, uh, but eventually in 1939, they, uh, Mary and Ernest, uh, open a stand on Valmont street between Chapatulas and magazine street. Um, and in 19 and, and then began the annual tradition of, a seasonal snowball stand that's open continuously. And that's where they're among the, the, the very first to mm-hmm. do that. Um, and in 1944, Ernest uh, buys the plot of land, with, with ha- which has a house next to it, and this cinder block workshop uh, and turns it into an indoor room with a snowball stand in the front and his machine shop in the back, but continues to go to work downtown in the warehouse district until he retires in his 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Mary's stand. It's Mary's business. Her recipes where she you know, makes a small batch of syrup every day of simple syrup. Um, and I still use like the same spoon and the same pot. It's <laughs> like it's worn down. It's really, and, and, and develops a technique, um, using Ernest's machine. And Ernest would come and help like at the busy part of the day after work until the evenings, um, and shave ice, but like she'd do it by herself in the beginning part of the day. Um, and you know, all while raising a family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but every year they open their, their snowball stand and, and Ernest's machine is, it's different. It's uh, it's a really on on the best days. It's a super fine powder and like like uncompacted snow falling fresh from the mountaintop. <laughs> um, and and it ranges from that to sometimes you can get a, a pole that's a little fluffier, um, but it's not crunchy. That's never it's never crunchy. Right. And uh, and Mary has some pretty classic recipes that that are really nostalgic for uh, like a child um, recipes that are unique. Very uniquely New Orleans. Nectar mm-hmm. cream, nectar cream is the most classic. Yeah. Um, an old school New Orleans soda shop flavor like vanilla cream, vanilla cream soda, but it's soft like baby's bottom pink. Um, <laughs> and you know, like I, I like to describe it as like a pink fluffy vanilla cloud. Nice. That's what it, you mm. know, and, and with the texture, when you pour these creamy syrups and even the plain syrups, particularly uh, Mary's cream of recipes, 
um, which are all made with a little bit of whole milk in them. Um, the, the colors turn pastel. The, the texture of the ice becomes velvety, almost like ice cream. And mm-hmm. it's this, you know, it, it's this magical concoction of like how much syrup is just enough <laughs> so that it doesn't all come crashing down, but that the texture is just right and, and beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's a taste that, you know, has never changed. So you walk into Hansen's after waiting in a line, which these days can be, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, um, sometimes even up to two hours. Um, if everybody in new Orleans decides they need a Hanson snowball, uh, uh, and, and come into this unair conditioned room where nothing has changed in, in nearly 80, in nearly 80 years. It's, it still looks like a time warp and that's what's really kind of cool about it. So I have my own memories of Marion Ernest as a, as a child. And now I get to work with my, my dear friend, Ashley Hansen, who was their granddaughter and was their first employee. Like Mm. it was just them until the mid to late eighties when Ashley was 15 and old enough to safely use the machine Mm -hmm. and be taught these secrets, you know, it's at Hanson's that they were very secretive about, you know, they're, they're no other, they have, they have all of their own machines and nobody else has them. Right on. Um, it's, so they, their patented machine, they their patented machines. They didn't sell those to, uh, to competitors. I could see there being a market for the machine itself. Uh, Ernest in the, in the 1940s made a few other machines. So we, we use the, the original machine in this, there's the prototype from 1934, which has a, a wooden interior and hand cast aluminum parts um, that he cast in the backyard. Um, we still have the molds. You can actually see them when you walk in the in the main room of so the you're shop. Just smelting aluminum in the yard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the 30s. Yeah, the 30s. Exactly. Um, real do-it-yourself. And, and in the 1940s, he tinkered with the design a little bit, uh, made, made refinements. We used the 1939 machine, which is a mixture of stainless steel and hand-cast aluminum parts. Um, and we use that machine. That's like the main machine. And that's the machine that Ernest and Mary used for until they, pa- they both passed in 2005, right after Katrina. Mm. Um, and then in... After Katrina, Ashley discovered in the uh, ground floor of uh, Ernest and Mary's Broadmoor home basically a whole nother machine that was built and and needed some refurbished parts. Ernest had spare parts here and there, um, and he did all the work on his own machines himself. But he built in the 1940s, he built somewhere around a dozen machines uh, for sale. Hmm. and Or maybe, in to- I think he had maybe in total a dozen machines. Yeah. And... Um, and sold sold a few off. Didn't like how they were being maintained, and bought them all back. Huh. So huh. we have like various parts, but but they only ever worked with that one machine in the stand. So in two thousand, in the mid aughts, we uh, we we got a refurbished machine that's from nineteen forty five, and mostly the parts of one single machine with a few few bits from some spare parts to complete it. Right. Um, and so now we have a, now we have a second machine online, which also enables us to do offsite catering, oh, cool. which we previously couldn't do without disrupting the stands only machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it's it's. So now we have two machines, and that's 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 it. So that's got to be a little bit harrowing too when you're working with like you know you've got these two machines. If there's like a cataclysmic like meltdown of one of those machines, what is the process of getting repairs and like maintenance and everything with those? So Ashley is uh, has been very well trained in how to uh, how to tinker with with certain parts. There there are things that we have to tighten and change, and um, you know like any antique machine you have to listen to it carefully you have to look at it carefully so when i'm working 
part of my technique, um, there's a lot. There's a lot of like hand action, very very delicate adjustments of the wrist, both in how to like form the dome because we don't use fun, you know it's not pushed down into a funnel shape mm-hmm. as a dome. The dome is formed by hand in a Hanson snowball, and everybody's hand technique is a little different. Like nobody <laughs> else makes a dome like I make a dome because I do something with my wrist that. I find easier and better for me mm-hmm. as um, to 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 go all day and make you know hundreds and hundreds of snowballs. Um, and then there's the left. So that's the right hand is the hand you you actually hold the cup and form the product in, which is made in layers, um, which is one of the things that can infuriate someone that doesn't get the whole Hansen's process. Is that we we make a snowball in two to three layers of ice, then pouring syrup, then another mm-hmm. layer of ice, and then pouring syrup, and then the the dome generally in the bigger snowball gets a third layer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you pour more syrup and add your toppings. And that can take some time. It's a slow food, but it is a quick food. It's made to order. It's made exactly the way you want it. And we get to uh, experience the joy of watching adults turn into small children and watch small children have their first <laughs> bites of this product that they have no idea why they waited so long in the heat for. But the minute they get it, you you can see that instant transformation and it's click. It's, it's a, it's a magical experience to so you, eat a hand. You talk about snowball. lines around the block, just in yes. terms of units sold, how, well, on your, on your busier days and in, in your busier season, how many units do you sell? And then again, well over, day? well over 500 snowballs a day. Um, like for instance, on this past Saturday, this is a really hot July day. This is, this is where I can start thinking about counting down the season. <laughs> We've been counting up towards this. This is peak snowball season right now. We've been open since, uh, since March, since the Friday of Mardi Gras, the, the week of Mardi Gras, we opened for the season and go six days a week, closed on Mondays. It was a pretty mellow spring in terms of heat, too. Yeah, so. it was, and not too much rain. So we, you know, we have very consistent, nice lines. People on average wait on a, on a, after school day, on a weekend, 30 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes to an hour, and then on a, just a bonkers day up to two. Or Jeez. like when we open for <laughs> Christmas, we, we've been doing these one-off little – first year we did it, it was one day over Christmas, and then, mm-hmm. and then it's three days this past year. And we'll probably do a three-day weekend uh, around Christmas. That got to be like a two-hour wait because everybody wants a snowball when they can't have it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the – it's it's I think it's worth the wait, and the wait is to me is part of the experience because you mm-hmm. get to talk to all these people and the anticipation and the build up of yeah. what is it I'm going to have, and then sometimes when you approach the counter, I can blow your mind and be like, oh, what about this? Right. Um, <laughs> and the, and and for us, that's everything from the completely nostalgic flavors that Mary invented, you know, some eighty years ago, to we have all of these new school flavors that Ashley. And uh, the team, we all get to contribute recipes and ideas for, we do a special flavor every weekend, generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be crazy toppings. That can be um, something that we just want to do. So like this past weekend, it was uh, uh, fresh mango mm-hmm. with, uh, I had a, a quart of honey from Cayo in Belize. And, uh, and so I had it sitting around the house and I was like, I don't know what I, I don't want to make something with it for me. That's an awful lot of honey. Um, <laughs> but let's let's put it on top of a snowball because I know honey is delicious. Right. And this honey is different than the Louisiana honey we yeah. use in the in the um, 
and the honey lavender snowball. So we have all these natural flavors too that are simple syrup plus steeped ingredients or fresh juiced ingredients like Louisiana watermelon, are all ginger. Your, are all of your syrups natural? Um, not all of them. Uh, there's 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 some magical snowball flavors that are uh, they're all Mary's recipes, but uh, the the magic happens. In, in the room you can't see. Um, <laughs> but we do have a whole line of all natural flavors that are ju- fresh juiced or, or, um, or steeped. I, d- I like what you talk about, the, 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 or without the sort of the appeal <laughs> of waiting in a long yeah. line. I think there's a lot of denigration of, like, people don't like waiting for anything. But uh, there's a real, you, 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 like you say, you meet people. I, some of my best friends were met because my friend Sean took like a week off from school to stand online for Star Wars Episode One tickets. Oh, and no. We have, I know. Well, I mean, but I, A, the, the, seeing the movie was sort of a magical experience yeah. for them. They loved it, but just because for that first viewing. And it was only on like repeat viewings that it sort of fell apart. But that experience, like I, I'm still very, very good friends with a lot of those people that he met because he just decided to wait online. And it, it, that was worth his time. And I love when going to uh, going to keggers in college. This was, there was another time I would get a, you know you get a, get a cup, get in line for the beer. You meet friends there because you're sort of confined in this space with people that you would otherwise not have any reason to interact with. Mm. And then and then the bathroom line is the next spot. So, and eventually, because both of those lines were always so long, you just are moving from the keg line to the bathroom line and then back again. <laughs> you just and, take the and meeting new people every time. It's, and it was a lot it's, of fun. it's the great equalizer. Right. It really it brings people strangers together and forces everyone to be civil. Um, and polite, uh, and that's that's sort of the way it w- the way it's always been at Hanson's. If you if your persistence will pay off, mm-hmm. because you're going to get this magical experience. It also and, builds and, that anticipation. Well, and then the thing that that I like to tr- I try and instill, you know, I'm I'm, I'm basically managing. There, there are groups of adults that work at Hanson's, but there are a lot of 15 and 16-year-olds, particularly, that that's their first job. And, and, and it's like throwing them into a bartending job. Yeah. Um, just with, with sugar replacing alcohol, as well as this, like, craft technique, you know. Not not all the kids get to use the, the snowball, the, the snowblizz machines, because that's that's a privilege. And it's a great honor to be able to touch this machine that you know basically Ernest and Mary were the only people to ever use it mm-hmm. um, so there are only a handful of us that have ever used the snowblizz machine but uh, to to be the boss of and and train and lead 16 year olds into a service a service job their first service industry job where they can then take those skills and whether they have to bartend or bar back in college or or decide to make a career of it you know we have there there are many people that have worked at Hanson's now since uh, since Ernest and Mary have passed that are that are service industry professionals people with degrees from CIA and and people that have gone on to to other things and that return to Hanson's because of their love of the product and the experience you know it's mm-hmm. a after you wait in this line, you get a little bit of small talk from Mary and maybe a, a grunt from Ernest. Or these days, it's Ashley. Ashley has this enigmatic smile that draws people in, and, mm-hmm. and you realize it's it's not it's not just about the line experience. It's not just about the deliciousness of the snowball, which you know peop, we constantly seem to be on everybody's tops of the lists. You know whether whether it be a, a fan list or. You know, we have a James Beard Award, which is really amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, to, to, ha- to be considered an America's classic alongside like a venerated institution like Mosca's is really it's really cool. I mm-hmm. mean, but this isn't. It's an honor to be able eighty years 
down the line to be able to share the same product and experience and do it with kindness. And that kindness, we think, sort of ripples out into an equal part of the, the Hanson story. Yeah, um, It's interesting now with uh, restaurants that are opening up, um, you, we've seen this over the past couple of years, how hospitality is the new trend in bars. Like It's like, oh, we're going to go back to being hospitable people, which I don't understand why people have had to like say, <laughs> we need to go back. It's like, so you made a conscious effort to stop being hospitable at some point, but <laughs> Like these institutions, these classics, and like you know, Moscas, like Hanson, so many institutions down here and across the entire country, really, uh, they've got these natural, hospitable environments. It's just like it's not just the food, it's not just the drinks, it's the full experience. Like yeah, you know, like if you went to Hanson's and you just it was like a thirty second experience, like you just ran in, grabbed a snow a snowball, and then came out. Yeah, if it's rain, get, if it's yeah. raining, uh-huh. great time to go to Hanson's without a wait. But you generally. don't really get the full experience either. Like I, oh yeah, I watch I watch people when it's better. when they come in and they're number one, they think they're the only people that have ever experienced Hanson's without a line. It blows <laughs> their mind that they didn't have to wait thirty minutes, and then you watch them struggle. They're going. I don't know what I want because because <laughs> I haven't spent this time figuring out right. the anticipation of what what is it I'm going to eat. Right. So um, we never forget the first time, um, the first snowball we ever had. Let's let's go to this. Let's yeah. go around the table and say first snowball you ever had, and then favorite snowball flavor. Go ahead, Cole. I really like. Uh, okay, for first snowball experience, I'd been here probably five or six years before I ever actually had a snowball, and it was here at Twelve Mile. My my then darling girlfriend, now beautiful wife, Lelia. Hey, Lelia. Um, she brought me. I think it was like a raspberry flavor. I can't remember exactly, but it was delicious and 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 very and lovely. I think it was from one of your competitors, either Plum Street, perhaps. Plum Street. Oh no! See, see, here's the thing. That's it. Well, we'll get we'll get back to it. <laughs> Snowballs are a neighborhood thing. Yeah, they really like. Yeah. I'm. I I went to Hanson's. I also went to Plum Street because I went to school down the street from yeah. Plum Street. So went there a lot. Went to Hanson's a lot. So that, that was my understand. first. And I, I I tend to like I tend to like fruit flavors. Um, less less so the the creamy or the like the cake flavors. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's that's sort of my jam. The, the, the first love is always the the hardest to get away. Oh from, yeah. I think. Um, mine was probably. If it's Plum Street, it probably was strawberry. Hanson's, I was always uh, really interested in lemonade. Uh, they have a very fancy all-natural lemonade. Mm. Uh, and Mary used to sprinkle... Lemonade has no no dye in it. So it's just all-natural. And then, But she'd sprinkle Snow Blizz, which is the tart strawberry flavor, just a little on the top. So it was just lightly pink. Mm. Um, and so you'd have a little pink lemonade. Uh, and then eventually, I think tart was always my, my jam. And then as an adult, I finally learned to appreciate the cream flavors. And boy, that opened my eyes. The Hanson's yeah. cream flavors. They do it for me. I'm, I'm kind of addicted to... I need a little tart. I need a little tropical, creamy is sort of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I, I, I can relate. I went to Tulane, so Plum Street was definitely the neighborhood one. Yeah. It's just like, it was the cheapest date you could possibly oh my God. It was like, oh, yeah. it's hot. Let's, let's walk over to Plum Street. It's like, oh, don't worry, this one's on me. It's like, it's yeah, like it's $3. <laughs> yeah, it's an expensive, inexpensive treat. Yeah. Um, Made to order. Right, and it's messy. It's fun. I mean, it's a great, great date experience yeah. going to a snowball stand. Uh, but my first one, because I was a pretentious college kid, uh, which I think we've talked about on this show as well, is, uh, was sugar-free pink lemonade because it was the only sugar-free flavor that they had, and I was uh, not eating refined sugar, trying my best not to eat refined sugar when I first went to college, which was a weird a phase that I went through. I, li- I actually like the Plum Street uh, sugar-free pink lemonade. I've, mm. I've had that at festivals before, yeah. um, and it just reminds me of like the country time. It yeah. just tastes like the you know 
Yeah. Stir in the powder. It tastes like summertime. Um, <laughs> it's, got, it's got some sort of taste memory. Nowadays, though, definitely coffee. Coffee with uh, sweetened condensed milk, especially if they have that as a yes, snowball. Yes, absolutely. Mm. It's um, definitely one of my favorite things. Yeah. It's just like bracing and creamy and rich and just absolutely delicious. That's I, I am addicted to our coffee flavor. I, spoiler alert, I uh, I invented our, our Cafe Snow Lay, which is our... Uh, coffee and chicory mm. snowball uh, flavor, and that is it's made with French Market coffee and chicory. We cold brew nice. ourselves, and uh, and it's best with a double layer of condensed milk. Um, <laughs> it's a nice, nice creamy flavor, and uh, it's really popular. And there's still the old school cream of coffee flavor, which is uh, decaffeinated and tastes like. I think it tastes like Hagen Dazs coffee ice cream. That's, okay. It's really kind of that intense when you think of coffee, uh, an intense coffee ice cream. Yeah. But Cafe Snow Lay is very much, uh, it's either iced coffee without the condensed milk or with the condensed milk, it turns into Cafe Suda and it's mm-hmm. just delightful. Nice. Cool. Um, so let's talk about snowball stands, uh, other snowball stands as well, or just kind of the institution of snowball stands and how they, so, yeah. what, what they represent in New Orleans. I think uh, you touched on a little bit it's about It's a neighborhood being, thing. Yeah, exactly. There's one in every neighborhood, and they're you know they're in they're inexpensive, independent small businesses. Um, they they don't require a lot of startup. You know most of most of the machines that you can buy commercially. Number one, they're made in New Orleans, um, and uh, and they only cost you know a few thousand. And all you need is a a glorified shed on concrete blocks from Home Depot. Mm-hmm. To do it, you know, they don't require a ton of space, uh, and they don't require a you know you don't need a you don't need to go to culinary school to make snowballs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very fragile, interesting product because it depends on the skill of the operator of the machine and the uh, the proprietors on how they maintain the machine. Uh, you know, for us, it's a it's we're constantly listening to how we make our snowballs so that right. you know it's it's feel, it's sight, it's touch, it's hearing. If you listen to the machine, will it be good ba- good back to you? Because you know, mm-hmm. it's more than just this thing that turns on and off and makes your product, it is the skill of the operator, and it and for us, it's it's about maintaining this this antique that that runs like a dream most days, but every once in a while needs to go. You know, either my boss can make a repair or she sends it to our machinists that we have. So the the front of house motto has always been at Hanson's since 39. There are no shortcuts to quality. And that comes into making the machine, you know, when you're, when you're making snow, um, you, you don't take the shortcuts. And that includes if the ice feels a little chunky, dump it out. If the customer is unhappy, by the way, if you don't like your snowball, tell me and I'll make you something else. Like come back, just come back back up. Yeah. No, no, don't go to the back of the line. Come back up. We want you, we want your product, you, your, your snow blizz to be amazing. Yeah. Um, so like if you suddenly discover bubble gum is not for you, that's okay. That's, you know, not everybody's jam. Mm -hmm. We'll fix it. Uh, but, uh, when, in terms of quality, making the snowballs, safety is really, really paramount. I have to be very careful about where I, keep my hands and there's tech, you know, part of the technique is how I grab the ice. We don't, you know, you don't stick your finger up in the machine. You use a wooden chopstick when you have to hmm. a clog that, uh, that won't come out with time, mm-hmm. uh, needs, you know, sometimes, and you stick the, that up because if anything is worrying, it's, it's very dangerous. I mean, yeah. it, you know, there's a guard on the motor so that you don't put your hand on or, or not on the, the motor on the, on the, uh, on the belt, mm-hmm. the fan, the the belt that turns that's powered by the motor, um, so you don't do that. And you just have to be very conscious of where you are in space, mm-hmm. um, which 
means being you know sober and aware and and focused on the product right. um all while trying to be nice to customers too yeah. like who have waited a long time to get this treat i guess it helps too because you limit the people who are actually allowed to use the machine yes. as well so you're not just like hey 15 year old kid uh, get back there and no. <laughs> unclog them. we need your little hands to reach <laughs> no. in and unclog no but a, but a 15 year old is is great at washing bottles and mm-hmm. cleaning the counter mm-hmm. and and Doing the laundry, the perf- make the perfect bar back is what you're saying. <laughs> they do. They I gotta do. hire some 15 year old kids. <laughs> but but for me, you know, for us, it's it's about helping your your coworker out. If I'm the ice man on a machine, uh, I and I have someone next to me pouring or two people pouring, I'm keenly aware of what they're doing and how they're interacting with the customers. Even though my I'm hunched over on this machine working, if I see there's something that if I can help them by pouring their top layer or doing doing something with a free hand for a moment, mm-hmm. I fill in. And the same way, the the more experienced ones, you know, they can jump on a machine even though that's not their principal function. And yeah. so everybody everybody washes bottles throughout the day. We, if you need to refill a syrup or or make something on the fly, it happens. It's just because you never mm-hmm. know. Is today the day that we're going to sell? twice the cream of nectar than we normally sell Mm because that could happen um and we try and make everything in small batches so that it's it stays fresh stays fresh and we move through it uh but but quality is really like the most important let's talk about the ice a little bit um so i don't know how these other machines work sounds like you guys use a six by six by six block is that correct something 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 like that yeah it's a block ice um A uh, couple questions to go along with that. Um, you need to temper the ice before you use it. Yes. So okay. for I, I'm sure it's different business to business, but for us, uh, cold ice is great ice. So uh-huh. um, we we get ice from a supplier um, who delivers it to us, and he's we've had a you know more than 30 year relationship with this one business. A lot of our suppliers are are really old. You know, we've had very long relationships mm-hmm. with these people, um, but. Uh, he delivers it. It's already pre-cut into the snow. It's called a snowball block, and there it's a twelve and a half pound block of ice, and it comes in a in a thick bag with two two blocks of ice, so a twenty five pound mm. bag. And we go through anywhere between six and nine hundred pounds of ice Jeez. a day, um, which which start out in the freezers in the back of the house, and we have uh, you know, chest freezers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of signature of snowball stands at residential chest freezers. And, and we move them to the front and older ice for us is better a couple days old. So it's super cold in the middle mm-hmm. um, and nice and dry for me. I, I like a pat test. If I, if my hand sticks to it, I know it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it depends on the temperature in the shop. Like, is yeah. it really raining out? Is it, is it not? Summer hot. Is it more like 70 degrees inside the stand? Mm-hmm. That can change. So, you know, sometimes the ice needs to sit out for five minutes. Sometimes. Yeah. And, and depending on the condition of the machine that day, how is it behaving and how does it react to the snow? Am, am I going to have to work with my left hand and like put like the weight of my body into my pinky to push this ice through on my ratchet? Uh, maybe, maybe, right. but I want, you know, I want to get the easiest, smoothest ice and I have to do all kinds of fine tuning adjustments hmm. to get it. To be the consistent Hanson's product, that yeah, it needs that's to be. interesting. That's kind of the opposite for block ice in bars for any bar that decides they want to use block ice because um, you have to let that ice melt. It has to get to kind of a melting point on the outside where yeah. it's still frozen in the middle. 
because uh, when you're carving ice or when you're cutting ice, like when it's colder, it's not going to break on clean lines. But if you temper the ice for like an hour beforehand, like whenever you just go with an ice pick, it should break in a straight line, yeah. which is like really important. It's a big mistake a lot of people will make when they're working with like block ice or when they try and like carve like spheres or things like that at the beginning. Do you have any experience working with uh, different types of ice coal? I know we have our one ice maker here, but no, I think a, a lot of people forget. For, uh, the a big thing about ice and cocktails is is about the cooling effect that ice has on cocktails comes from the melt. So if you have ice that is colder than sort of the ambient temperature, ice in an ice well, ice in a, a storage bin under an ice machine is at thirty two degrees. Mm-hmm. It sits at that at that at that temperature, and and so it's not imparting any of its coldness into a drink just by virtue of being cold and in the drink. What it does is, by diluting, the water that comes off of it is also exactly at 32 degrees. It's freezing cold water. And so that is what makes the drink cold. So what frustrates me about ice a lot of the time is, A, people don't really understand how it works, which is why we've seen these almost novelty items like whiskey stones, Mm. where people put these (laughs) rocks into the freezer, and then they put these rocks into their drink, and it doesn't work, because they don't melt. The minerality of this whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Unless, unless Unless you're in a... And who framed Roger Rabbit and just trying to play a joke on the human in the club that there's no <laughs> point in whiskey stones. They don't work. It's the melt that really gives you all of the, all of the cooling effect from ice. But no, I think having a hard, having large format ice, because ice also, there's a surface area to volume ratio effect. So ice always melts from the outside in. And the more of a piece of ice that is inside, the slower it'll melt. And the larger an object, the, the greater the volume versus the surface area. So the bigger your piece of ice, the slower it'll melt. And so that's, that's why having large ice, we use the big oversized heart-shaped ice for our, for our rocks, for drinks on the rocks, because you want that ice to sort of melt slowly as you sip the drink. And then we use our regular Hoshizaki machine ice for, for drinks that are shaken and, and those that are served on the rocks, because you're mostly going to drink those faster. So it, it is valuable to have, and then we have you know a Lewis bag. We want crushed ice because that's a whole different consistency thing too. Um, but it is valuable to have different styles of ice, different shapes, different sizes. I haven't done a ton with uh, with large format like block ice. I haven't worked with ice picks or anything like that. Maybe that's next bar, perhaps. <laughs> a chainsaw, Klein Bell machine, like, yeah, so, a big bandsaw. <laughs> so until until the 1990s, Ernest and Mary used to close the stand. The stand was closed all day on Saturdays, mm-hmm. which just seems like a weird day to. Be be closed uh, when you're in the business of selling cold things in the summer, uh, but they would go to the ice house and pick up 300-pound blocks of ice, and Ernest had like a, a, a Jeep wagon, and it had a, was fitted with a custom stainless steel liner that, of course, he built, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and they'd go and pick up these 300-pound blocks. <laughs> Sorry. They'd pick up the 300-pound blocks of ice in the, in the truck, bring it back, and break it down in the really? stand. This is this to me is the one of the crazy like if there was a hard serious I care about this way they did it mm-hmm. um, and this that was definitely the hard way because snowball block delivery was a thing yeah. but Mary wanted the best ice mm. so she would go and hand select it like she was at the fish market to make sure that you know maybe that that block hadn't been cut up at the ice house that morning by 
by use by a fisherman who hadn't bathed or you know like so no no grubby hands were going to have touched this ice so she wanted she'd look she'd inspect it for like clarity like it's a diamond and yeah. and 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 look for the ice that was going to make the best snowball ice and they'd go down, they'd bring it back and and break it down now we have they gave up they got too old i mean really to do to do that um, i mean and it's a testament too they both worked ernest was able to work until he was 95 and mary slowed down a little bit um, in her mid mid 80s and uh, early 90s and really just sat back and held court um, but she was there all the time but like they both had an amazing work ethic that is just unbelievable with ice as well, I think that's uh, it's it's pretty interesting um, how there's kind of a peak with ice houses in general. I mean, you, in the 30s, it was a necessity. I mean, people didn't have house ice makers. Yeah, uh, freezers were You're, not like a big thing. No, like you, you got your ice from yeah, and and a lot of a lot of re- home refrigeration revolved around getting a block of ice mm-hmm. that cooled that was powered by fans yeah. and not by commercial coolant. Yeah. So your ice um, box. So there are ice houses in New Orleans that have operated continuously, I believe, since their existence. And I mean, this one, the one we work with, which is uh, Duplanche, they've been around a very long time. Uh-huh. Still family owned. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, I I think like the cocktail thing is just kind of kept up. Like I know with um, Sobu and with the Swizzle Stick, they always operated with blocks of ice blocks. behind their. Mm-hmm. Bar, if I'm not mistaken, yep. um, I don't think a lot of other people do, but I think that demand is definitely there, especially during a time like Tales of the Cocktail, where people are looking for large format ice. And in the New Orleans cocktail scene, um, I only know of two Kleinbell machines that are down here. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Kleinbell does are these machines that do a they're they're made to make crystal clear blocks of ice. They do a slow freezing process. Um, they're meant to make crystal clear large format ice. Um, there was one that was a Fulton Alley. Um, I don't know if it ever got up to like working to capacity. And then there's a gentleman named Avery, I believe, who does like large format ice for delivery on demand. Um, I, I think that's a little bit interesting. It's a uh, when you've got a history that ha- uh, a, a city rather that has a history of maintaining like this large format, good quality ice in something like a snowball, which is like inseparable from like what it is. How that ice culture doesn't translate to cocktails. I don't know. Just just a thought I had. Kind of weird. I also I do think that there's a bit of a cult of ice in in the cocktail world where people sort of freak out about ice in a way and as as long as your ice is fairly clear I think there's a bit of an over an overkill with it people obsess about the kinds of ice machines that they have they obsess about the kinds of it's I think that there, it's possible to go overboard with it sure i mean but if you're in a michelin starred place or you know a, a very very rarefied environment that might be super important but sure but yeah. in the end does it keep your drink cold and yeah. yeah clarity and ice is one of the things that just bugs me especially yeah. i mean i understand it's kind of like it's it's cool it's 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 almost like a garnish effect when it comes down to it. it's like look how clear this ice is but like most aspects i mean almost 100 percent of aspects with clarity and ice has to do with crystallization it's just like when ice is frozen too quickly it crystallizes and that's where like all that fogginess comes from it's not impurity in the ice it's I mean, not, no. well it's not impurity yeah. but it can be suspended gas particles so, so one of the ways is that if you're if you're making ice and you want it to be super super clear one of the tricks that i've learned and we actually when we do our hard ice i use two layers of these silicone molds because I want it insulated on the bottom and side so it freezes from the top down. Because if it freezes from the top down, the bottom of it will have all the all of the trapped gas particles and impurities 
where if it freezes from the outside in, if we don't have that, that second layer of silicone around the, the bottom and sides, it freezes from the outside in, all of that gets trapped in the middle. And when it gets trapped in the middle, that's when you have, it actually increases the interior surface area. There's all these suspended gas particles. And again, I, I know I just said that people obsess too much about ice, but this is, this is just an easy trick to learn. No, but it, it's easy and cheap to, that's a, yeah. a, a, a quick, yeah, so, so all of the, when they talk about surface area, there's this interior surface area that really makes your ice melt a lot faster because as each of these pockets gets opened up to the outside, the water from the out or whatever other liquid gets in and it melts much, much faster. If it's cloudy, that's why. It's because it's got these tiny little pockets inside that, that drastically increase the surface area as it continues to melt. But if you have, if you, one of the, my, my friend Rhiannon taught me this trick. If you got one of those, like, those igloo coolers that are like cylinders, mm-hmm. fill it all the way up, leave the top off, put that in your freezer, the whole thing, this big round cylinder will melt from the top down. And again, only the bottom inch or so will have all of those impurities from the whole thing. The, the, the quality ice machines that you'll get, your, uh, your cold drafts and some of the other ones, that's how they do it. They just, they have these, the, the molds that they're building ice in are, are insulated on the sides and bottom, and then they freeze from the top down. Well, and cold draft has running water, so uh, they continually the... flush the water through it and everything like that. Okay, filtration is it's, uh, it's stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we could fall down. We could fall down this ice uh, rabbit hole. No, but you but you part, make but... quality ice in a in a working neighborhood cocktail bar that that still can that can that that can aim a little higher without without breaking the bank and mm-hmm. and calling a repairman every couple of months and <laughs> yeah no and people yeah the and the, not having to reinvent the wheel so, yeah <laughs> and still having ice quote unquote program. Uh, ice program. we do yeah, yeah. It's, again we like i said it's uh, people people obsess about ice a little bit but knowing how it works you can really there's just some quick easy hacks that you can have to make quality ice without yeah. making a big deal out of making quality <laughs> ice. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, last thing I really wanted to talk about with Hanson's, which I think uh, is pretty awesome. I, I think there's an effect that Hanson's has. Um, magazine. Uh, I used to live uptown for years before I moved to Mid-City, so I basically spent half my time in New Orleans uptown. And then I'm an uptown boy. Born and bred. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Not born, but maybe bred. Are you this- also living in a lonely world? <laughs> no. No, no, yeah, it's not yeah, lonely yeah. when you have s- snowballs in your life. <laughs> Fair. Great way to tell you about Journey, Cole. <laughs> Isn't that no? Billy but I'm, Joel? you know, but I'm an uptown, uptown kid, uptown girl. Why aren't you quoting Journey? Now a mid city kid, I'm living in a lonely girl. world. Oh wow, never mind. Midnight uptown train. Girl. That's okay. Yeah, I was an uptown. Boy. Okay, I yeah, got, yeah. I got my, I got my yacht rock confused. <laughs> oh, anyways, so um, <laughs> good snowball music, yacht rock. Yeah, it's good, good anything. Good everything. Music, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who are we Sunday, kidding? Come to Sunday brunch, Sunday brunch at Twelve Mile. You'll listen hear. to all the Yacht Rock I've by got Steve. An awesome Yacht Rock playlist on Sundays for brunch. Oh. So, uh, well, Uptown Magazine Street is just going. Magazine Street is always in a state of flux. I think because the real estate's expensive, and um, because of that, your business has to be extra successful. If it's not, you're probably just going to go out of business and it opens up space and new things just kind of cycle in and out of Magazine Street. Um, Restaurants are finding a lot more purchase uptown than I think they used to. Uh, and especially with the high-end uh, restaurants. We see Shia's being very successful in its location. Um, what is that restaurant? Kenton's? Kenton's? Kenton's Ooh, yeah. That's I up like on that Nashville. Uh, they're crushing it right now. I, I saw that location, and like you know, when they first opened up, and with their menu, I was like, I don't think this place is going to make it, but the people were super nice, and they really cared nice to build their out. Aud- audience, and um, yeah. that's really cool. I think Hanson's... Um, 
there's a cool dichotomy there because I think people uptown will still skip dessert at some of these nice restaurants that they've made reservations. You've got people who go to La Petite Grocery, sure. and it's like, would you like to see a dessert? Man, it's like, no, we have plans already, and their plans are to go to Hanson's to get yeah. a snowball. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is something like beautiful and so New Orleans. Or, like, or increasingly, uh, we hear people that have their snowball first and so that they can have a bigger snowball and not feel like they're full and have and have waited in the heat a little bit so they're it'll increase your appetite by the way snowball first and then salty food after is like the best feeling in the world um yeah nice yeah uh, have you seen do you feel you've been uh, managing Henson's for a couple of years now especially during this most recent like you know uptick in restaurants on magazine uh do you see a different swing in clientele do you see more tourists as well coming to Hanson's because they have more to do uptown. I think I think point. the tourism the the tourists at Hanson's, which they've always been tourists. I mean, they were mm-hmm. Ernest and Mary were on the Today Show in the 1980s, and and uh, we've been in. Uh, it feels like every travel and food TV show, including a lot. There's a repeat of uh, a show on the Food Network that were like top five desserts hmm. um, all the time, and so we've been written up. A lot because we're old and historic and have a James Beard America's Classic Award. And mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of history and importance placed on, on Hanson's. So now in the age of social media, I think we get a lot more tourists. There's a nice nice tourist mix. We're not this unknown, under-the-radar thing, even though we don't really have to advertise. Um, we, we, you know, we maintain a, a robust social media presence, which I, I take on uh, as a photographer and marketer, uh, just for the fans, just because it's a beautiful product and, mm-hmm. and a history worth sharing and crowing about. And uh, But, I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of tourists, but it's a lot of locals. And I think that's where the, those interesting conversations, I love mm-hmm. waiting and waiting in line and talking to people about what it is they're going to have. And, you know, you can, you can learn a lot from a local and, and get a good sense of the history and the culture of the city because it, it's, it's right there. Like it's been, and it, the, with the peeling paint and these counters that were built 80 years ago by Ernest mm-hmm. and this an- antique machine, you know, it's, it's, it's a good place to experience a, a unique slice of New Orleans culture that is very much uniquely New Orleans. I mean, snowball culture has, is a New Orleans thing. I mean, it, there's culture in Baltimore, there's Hawaiian shaved ice, and then there's everybody else got snow cones. Yeah. And they're, and they're very different. Water ice, well, water, so ice. water ice, water ice, water, water, water ice. Yes. All yes. Right. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Just wanted to clarify that. Water sentence. ice. <laughs> water. My roommate's from Philadelphia, so whatever. I can make, I can make fun of it. I can make fun of Philadelphia. I know one of them. Uh, cool. Um, awesome. <laughs> so uh, thanks for everybody from Philadelphia for listening yeah. to the show. Um, I, that's, that's great. We could go on and on and talk about snowballs. Um, it's hot as hell today, and it's the 4th of July. So um, Happy I birthday, f- America. Happy like, birthday. Uh, I really want to go get in snowball right about now. Me um, too. It's uh, here on a round of Stephen Cole. We love to finish up with parting shots uh, real quick, catch our guests off guard a little bit to just like be able to talk about who they are, uh, where they work at, and then just any closing thoughts they might have. So why don't you go ahead and lead us off, Paul? So uh, you can catch me. I'm around town. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm mofo, M-A-U-X-F-O. And I, I work my other other career is a... Uh, commercial freelance photographer and i have the privilege i shoot the city's tourism campaign leisure travel tourism campaign for visit new orleans go nola and i work with a bunch of brands including uh some james beard winning chefs and uh, i like to shoot tourism restaurant bar hotel hospitality photography 
commercial setting. Coolio. And where where exactly is uh, Hanson's? Hanson's is uptown New Orleans between Napoleon and Jefferson Avenues on Chapatula Street. That's a street that begins with TCH. Um, She'll figure it out. Uh, it's there. real close to Napoleon Avenue and Tipitina's uh, and uh, Chapatulas and Bordeaux, 4801 Chapatula Street. All righty. Cole, you got those summertime blues? What's on your mind? Ah, I love the summer. I love uh, obnoxiously patriotic tank tops. I'm wearing one right now. I love blowing up small pieces of the sky, and I love the uh, the seasonality of some of our uh, some of our delicious New Orleans treats. So um, I might uh, stop by and see you over at the shop sometime. Right on. Um, for me, uh, I've lived and worked in New Orleans for a long period of time. Uh, people will call this our off season. I think that's definitely transitioned recently. Um, for not some true people, at all. Like, like for in the snowball business, it is certainly not the off no. season. It is the on season. But even for a lot of us restaurant and bar professionals, we're seeing more people coming out, spending money, uh, looking for a good time. We're seeing more people come in from out of town. It's a little bit less expensive to travel. So keeping that hospitable edge, having institutions like Hanson's that shine so much more brighter during this time of year, uh, it's really a blessing. It's great to have you on the show, Paul. Great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Stephen Cole. Once again, this is Around with Stephen Cole. My name is Steve Yamada. I'm T. Cole Newton, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers.